Welcome back for the final episode in our seven-episode series with Sandy Schaefer. This episode was extra fun for me as I got to take a back seat during the recording process and watch Sandy and Lindsay do what they do best. The biggest takeaway? Don't use the F word. In this case, the F word is fix. Keep listening to find out why. This is Sandy. And this is Lindsay. And I think we're going to talk about how to prepare kids to get back to school in the easiest way as parents, as well as for the kids, because we are soon going to be going back to school. I hope as we're recording this, that it's in person and without masks, but it sounds like that is still a big question mark in our world. What do you think, Lindsay? I, I would agree. I also am totally going to say this might not be the easiest way, right? Right. Because preparing kids for anything can be difficult and bring all new challenges. And especially for a lot of kids who haven't been in school or they were in school very little, mm-hmm. it's going to be hard extremely hard and then we have parents working mm-hmm. and not sure how to navigate it new parents aren't even going to necessarily know where the classrooms are mm-hmm. I know I had freshmen last year who needed to figure out once they were at school on a regular basis like where things were actually located mm-hmm. and I think the different ages is going to bring a whole different aspect for each different parent. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What do you think the adjustment period is going to be like once they go back to school? Well, um, and you and I were just talking about this. The, you know, we know statistically that the younger the child is, the longer the honeymoon period can be. And so sometimes for the younger kiddos, we won't see maybe some of their struggles or their stress or their behaviors well into the school year. You know, I think any teacher you speak to would agree that September is always the honeymoon period. By the time they hit like, you know, October, Halloween, now you start to see some of the stuff come out. And so it's important, you know, for any teachers also listening to know that that stuff isn't necessarily a reflection of your teaching or the classroom or the education itself. It is coming down from the honeymoon of it's a new school year. I have new school supplies. Maybe I got some new shoes. That's so true. And I think oftentimes, and I know I might be getting a little off here, but I think so often teachers are not appreciated Mm -hmm. to the extent that they should be. I think of just a normal, regular school year and the challenges, but then all of the uncertainty that I think is still left over from this previous school year. Mm -hmm. And then 
like you said, there's this great excitement about the new school supplies and all of that stuff. And then the classroom has its own rules and structures and routines. Which that alone is an adjustment. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then you have the honeymoon period, which is great, right? Who doesn't love the honeymoon period? And parents will likely see the honeymoon period too. And then your kid starts being sassy or... I don't want to go today. Yes. Mm -hmm. Or my tummy hurts. Mm -hmm. I don't don't like the bus anymore. I don't like my teacher. Whatever they're saying. And oftentimes it's a true reflection of just really their difficulty... Adjusting to the change. Mm -hmm. Gosh, it's just such a hard thing. So as parents, right... I think the biggest thing, and if you know me, you know I preach, awareness is key, Mm -hmm. right? Once you have awareness, that's really the first step. And the second step is, what do I do now with that knowledge or with that awareness? So October comes, and clinically speaking, because we work in eight different districts now. Yeah. Yeah. So clinically speaking, October, November is usually when we get a flood of referrals, especially at the elementary level for anxiety or tummy aches or, you know, social stuff kind of starting to happen. All of those things, parents, you can take as signs that the honeymoon period is over. And that's your awareness of, okay, so it probably is less to do with you know, the teacher, the teacher <laughs> or, you know, clinical anxiety or even peer stuff and is maybe more of, OK, we're getting into a groove and that's hard for my kid. It's like when you implement a new rule at home, um, it, it takes a while for that rule to kind of set in place. Well, and I think it's so important to talk about how children's brain, like it's hard for any adult to make mm-hmm. change, but children's brains at this, at any grade level is not fully formed. Right. So the long-term problem solving executive functioning piece that as adults, we rely on quite strongly. Mm-hmm. They're really stuck in that emotional piece of their brain, which is also the reward piece of the brain. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the part of the brain that hijacks the rest. Right. So even if they're starting to develop that executive functioning, it is still really primarily that emotional piece and the emotional brain that hijacks it. So it can't function properly anyway. Mm -hmm. And they resort to their old behaviors of, you know, manipulation or... Wanting to sleep in your bedroom again. Oh, yes. Um, the old, the things that make them feel safer. Right. Teching out, right? Hopping yes. on their um, gaming system or their phone or their tablet, you know, finding ways to kind of avoid the chaos that they're feeling internally. And that is so powerful right there, what you said, like the, the teching out. And I think for my own kids, you know, when we've talked about this, just the difficulty and 
regulating how much time they have Mm -hmm. on technology how much do you give them downtime after school to let their brains kind of regroup and get back to some functioning level Mm -hmm. after a long day of school but still try and keep that balance so it's not harming them right so that they can keep up with the social knowledge yes the social Social knowledge, meaning like technology, you know, you need to know how to use it. You need to be able to use it effectively, you know, so it's, oh my God, why did we have kids during this time? Because we didn't know it was going to be during this time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think, you know, let's talk warning signs for a second or maybe little red flags. Not necessarily that something is, again, clinically wrong or clinically going on. Because kids struggle, mm-hmm. no matter what age they are. Everybody Absolutely. struggles. Um, I cannot stress enough, and I use this all the time, all behavior is a form of communication. Even bad behavior is considered a form of communication. Even shutting down is a form of communication. Yes. And I will say, too, that actually reminds me, and we may have talked about this before, um, there's a really crucial, that kind of like tween teen year. I, I read a great article um, about insulating, not isolating, and how kids' brains, teenagers' brains, the way that they work, right? They they need to have some of that individuation that I'm making sense of my world and I'm trying to figure out how and what that means in my brain and in my body. Kids, well, teenagers, tend to go one of two ways. Externally, right? These yes. are your rebellious kids that are going to rebel. They're maybe starting to get into a little trouble. They're maybe dabbling in some substance use. Sneaking out of the house. Sneaking out of the house. The yep. Um, or they will insulate. They will go into their cocoon. And um, having a, a room or a space or your child's own bedroom that they can really like allow them to make it their own because they'll want to cocoon in there. And it's not necessarily a sign that my kid is depressed or that my kid is struggling with something. It is a safe place, a very safe place. And you almost want to encourage like, Hey, like put some great posters on your wall or, you know, maybe make some art to put on your walls, get a cozy blanket, you know, anything. Right, a, bean, a beanbag chair. Exactly. Something that makes you feel comfortable. Yes. And I talk about it with the clients I work with, like literally create a safe spot. Yep. A safe space in, be it their room or somewhere in the house that is literally their own. Mm-hmm. And what are the rules of the safe place? Yep. You know, and our mom and dad or siblings or guardian, grandparents, can they just come in anytime? Mm -hmm. Or do they have to knock? Am I allowed to have technology in my safe spot? Mm -hmm. Am I not? And I think it's important to kind of have those parameters, that discussion. Because you do want it to be insulating mm, and, and not cocooning is- and yeah. not isolating. Yes. And then you're helping teach your tween or teen how to set boundaries that are healthy and how to identify these are my needs when I just, I, I have to have some alone time. I have to have some space. And, and that cocooning is crucial for their brain development. They have to be alone. 
And we as parents, with our executive functioning skills and our brain, um, tend to go, well, what's wrong? Why do they want to be alone? Why aren't you talking with me? Why aren't you coming up and playing this family game? You know, so having that balance between letting them cocoon, letting them be, setting those boundaries, right? Absolutely. You can cocoon, you can whatever, have your space. And then we still need some engagement in the family though. Right. You don't get to always just cocoon. Mm -hmm. And I think for parents, it's important to honor Mm -hmm. what their kids are saying. So often we want to get into the, what do you mean you don't know? Right. You have to know what's going on with you. We get into the verbal, the reasoning. Right. Well, your child or tween teen doesn't have that part of their brain. So you are literally asking them things that they do not have answers to. Because they can't figure it out because they Mm -hmm. don't know. Mm -hmm. So why do you spend all this time in your room? They don't have the ability to say, because this is where I feel safe or this is where I can regroup. Or They don't have that verbal connection to the emotion yet. It's that bridge in the brain that isn't connecting the verbal and the emotional. Right. They just know that it feels feels good good. Mm -hmm. and it it makes them function better. Mm -hmm. If they can have some space. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting because so... Often it's hard to do that mm-hmm. without thinking there's something wrong with my kid. Right. Like, what do you mean you want to spend all this time in your room by yourself? Well, and wouldn't you kind of agree to that? Like, okay, it's amazing how much we're working on breaking the stigma of mental health. And it's wonderful that it's coming to the forefront. We are also starting to see some adverse effects to that. Parents are more hyper vigilant. Absolutely. They're hyper-focused on the what's wrong, something's wrong. Every person has mental health concerns. And how do I fix it? Fix my kid. And how do I fix it? And even the kids, I'm going to go back to social media. I'm sorry. But even social media kind of promotes, quite honestly, a lot of destructive behaviors. Oh, it certainly does. I had a friend just tell me... um, how, you know, TikTok has this song that was made about, uh uh-oh, it's summer and my arm looks like a barcode. But it was like an upbeat, like popular thing. Oh. Cutting behaviors are reflective of unhealthy concerns and mental health and behavioral. So, you know, these younger generations, again, who don't have the brain capacity to make sense of you know, the negative quality of that, they get tagged or they tag a friend and then they start engaging in this behavior because it's what is out on social media and it's getting all the likes. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's getting the most shares, Mm -hmm. which is so disturbing and and concerning. And for those that are listening, the whole, my arm looks like a barcode, just to clarify it. Yeah. It was the the cutting, mm-hmm. you know, and and it's so unfortunate that those things are still so glorified mm-hmm. because it for you and I, right? That's like, oh gosh, that that person's hurting. Mm-hmm. They have some real stuff going on. This is not publicity stunt, but it it's it's 
disturbing, really. Mm-hmm. It's creating a lot of uphill battles, I think, um, for everybody. Oh, right? sure. For for the person affected, for their family members, their parents or their caregivers, their siblings that are confused, um, us as clinicians, you know, mm-hmm. transparency. It's all of this stuff is creating some interesting challenges and dynamics. It really is. And it, it is for us as clinicians too, kind of to go back to that, you know, because we do work in a number of school districts and so we don't, you know, we don't, we go into the school. So the parents aren't there to say, Hey, this is what's going mm-hmm. on. Or so a lot of the communication <clears throat> is through phone or, you know, email that we're hearing from parents and this idea of, okay, well, what are you going to do to stop it? Mm-hmm. Or what are you going to do to fix it? Or why is this happening? Mm-hmm. Rather than just honoring it is happening, mm-hmm. we don't necessarily have to figure out a why. Because the reality is it's probably a lot of different whys. Yes. So to pinpoint one can also be overwhelming. And we're not looking to make the teen, tween, child feel like there is something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. I met with someone earlier today, a uh, a teen who said, well, I'm just really uncomfortable that I'm the only one in my family mm-hmm. that's coming to therapy. And it makes me feel as if something is wrong with me. Yes. And so we had a really good discussion about that. And some of those feelings of anger and frustration that came along with it, but also, being able to get to the other side to see the benefit mm-hmm. of what she has gained since she has started to ha- seek outside help. Mm-hmm. Um, so she she was able to s- finally find a spot of gratitude, but I think it's so hard in a world where there's a lot of pressure to be like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And then when you don't fit that, there's something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. Can we circle it back or bring it back? This whole discussion is bringing up in my mind to, you know, going back to the schools and preparing kids and teens um, for being back in school. There is a rumination effect, right? Especially among tweens and teens. And that's another thing that I think parents can watch out for with their children is um, are my kids like perseverating and ruminating on this? What are their, what are their friends thinking or doing? What are the other behaviors in the classroom or among their peers? Because the, the, the importance of social modeling is really crucial for brain development and emotional awareness and if it's negative you know but accepted but accepted social modeling you as a parent want to be aware of that I think that is so important I know myself as a parent I think it's so important if there's something going on in my home 
I think it's important for the school to know. Yes. And vice versa, right? If there's something going on in the classroom with my child, please tell me so I can talk to them or explore this maybe at home as well and with other parents. Mm -hmm. I know recently I found myself in a couple of situations where it was, do I tell the other parent that their kid is doing something Mm -hmm. or my children saying, well, it's not that big a deal. Mm -hmm. And to try and help them understand that you don't necessarily, I love and respect you, but you don't necessarily have the brain potential to tell me if this is a bigger deal Deal or not. not. (laughs) Right. But I think it's so true because when kids are involved in the classroom or on sports and there's this climate and this modeling of negativity or dysregulation. Yes. And then it's almost encouraged sometimes by other people Mm -hmm. or they laugh and joke about it, but they don't see the true hurt that's caused that it, it can be so damaging long-term if that's not interrupted. Mm -hmm. I was really pleased to hear that some of the area schools are starting to implement some social emotional learning Mm -hmm. in the schools, which I think is going to be tremendous long-term. I think it's something that should be in every school and every classroom for kids to learn about the emotional aspect of development Mm -hmm. and how social connectedness plays such a huge part in that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, let's talk about energy bubbles, right? We're, we're made up of energy. Yes. The world is all about energy. Um, if, if you're at home and you're not, you're not driving, just put your arms straight out like your wingspan and move them up and move them down and move them all aside. That is quite literally your energy field. Yes. And that's a sphere around you. Well, if if you have 22 to 28 kids oh, in a classroom, you better believe that their personal bubbles are all touching. Yes. And connected. And connected. And they're feeding off of each other, right? And then um, we have a lot of parents that will say, this just isn't my kid. Like they don't have this kind of behavior. And then I will say, well, what, tell me more about the classroom. Does your child ever talk about what's going on in the classroom? Well, actually they do say that there's one kid who kind of, well, okay. So all of our energy is connected. Right. And so part of helping your child or teen or tween, um, cause stress, I don't care what age you are. Stress is going to you know, manifest in others. We, we can kind of share that energy. Yes. So helping your child recognize what might be their feeling versus somebody else's feeling. Yes. Like my son used to come home and throw these big outbursts when he was in first grade. And I only knew because I had volunteered in the classroom that those weren't Harrison's behaviors. Those were the exact behaviors of another child in the class when that child was dysregulated. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have been able to volunteer and see that, number one, but also kind of have some of that, you know, knowledge and background 
to talk with him right. about you knew what was actually going on. Like, are these Harrison's behaviors or are these, you know, Johnny's behaviors? And once he started to be able to distinguish, that's right. You know, and even if it's how do you act, Harrison, when you're mad, mm-hmm. you don't kick and scream, you know? Right. So even if it's a negative emotion um, or That's vulnerable unusual. emotion, yes, even if it is, though, help them identify what are my behaviors when I'm angry, what are my behaviors when I'm sad, stressed, frustrated, irritated, annoyed, and then help them identify, okay, so what else is going on in your day or in your classroom? And what's going on within your body when those emotions are so strong and you don't know what to do with them? Mm-hmm. And how do, how, what can you do throughout your day as you start gaining that awareness mm-hmm. piece to get yourself kind of back to center and settled and who's, who's really influencing my day mm-hmm. and my behaviors and what I'm engaging in. So for adults listening out there, let me ask you if you have a partner or spouse and they have a bad day and they come home and you had a great day, how fast <laughs> until you start to get in kind of a sour mood? Right. And get irritated. Or get irritated. Or your mood just kind of flattens. You're no longer kind of that like happy. Right. I had this great day. Now it's just kind of the tempo's, it's like bursting your balloon almost. It takes the energy, it sucks it away. And that's one, that's like one person. Mm -hmm. Think of if you have 23 teenagers in a classroom that all have a test coming up or they're all coming back to school together for the first time and they're all feeling, some are feeling anxious, some are feeling excited, some are, you know, lost, lost. <laughs> some are already stressed with the amount of work. You know, you have so many different personality dynamics all like colliding. That's what your kid is bringing home. And it reminds me of, I'm a visual person and I've talked about this before on the podcast and you know this but it reminds me of like when my kids were little and they would go in a bounce house Mm -hmm. and it it was inevitable that they would have to bounce into each other or the walls and and they had no control over it like that's what I have in my mind is Mm -hmm. like this bounce house of kids that have no control over who's going to touch them or not touch them and what emotion is going to touch them or not touch them yep so so how do how do we help? Yeah. What do you do? Well, I guess I go back to trying to be present mm-hmm. with your children mm-hmm. and teaching and it's so important to teach that awareness to them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And identifying what the emotions are and and centering. I think I spoke of this um at an earlier podcast, but about belly breathing Mm -hmm. and just how there's a great article about some inner city schools that start their day with breathing Mm -hmm. and how drastic the change was between doing that and not doing that within the same classroom, but also comparing that classroom to other classrooms that didn't practice any type of regulation or mindfulness and how 
just the functioning level and the ability for those children to be able to learn Mm -hmm. and pay attention was so great in comparison to when it's like, okay, sit down, let's go. Mm -hmm. Get your books out. Let's get the day started. And I think that's important for children and adults, be it little kids, teens, tweens, but adults also to just be able to honor a space for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that is something that doesn't need to take a lot of time. It doesn't have to be complex. It can simply be breathing Mm -hmm. and the belly breathing where you're actually paying attention to is your belly going in and out? When we take a deep breath, a cleansing breath, it's meant that it's not our shoulders just going up and down. Mm-hmm. It's our belly going in and out. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like when you breathe, when you breathe in, your belly should go out. Mm-hmm. And when you exhale, your belly should come in. And for those who are listening, just take a minute. And realize, how are you breathing? Mm -hmm. Probably pretty shallow. You're staying in your lungs. Right. And then when we stay in our lungs, we don't have any type of regulation. And shallow breathing triggers anxiety and nervousness. It sends that signal to the brain. You know? Something's going on. Mm -hmm. And we start feeling a tightening in our chest Mm -hmm. or an upset stomach. Mm -hmm or a headache, or whatever it may be, when it can be as simple as some breathing regulation. Mm -hmm. So those are things that parents can start at home before the year even starts. They can start having those conversations with their children about emotions, how they're feeling, their energy, how they're, they can be affected by the other people they spend time with, which I think is really important. And I think, you know, in, I'm, I've totally fall into this category. We, you know, the generation of parents, God love us, but (laughs) we are helicopter lawnmower parents and we do not, (laughs) you're laughing over there. We are, we are helicopter lawnmower parents, right? Um, and we are really reward driven ourselves. And so a, we're teaching our children to be reward driven, but also, you know, my mom in the sticks in my head, my mom always says, shape the will without breaking the spirit. Mm. We are a generation of parents that really don't allow that to happen. Right? No, we don't. And so our children then grow up to be adults that don't know who they are. They don't know how to regulate their emotions, right? And so when you're noticing behaviors or strong, intense emotions in your kid, one great way to address it, including the breathing, is simply asking them, what would you like from me right now? Would you like me to just listen? Would you like a hug or would you like me to help you solve a problem? 98% 98% of the time, it's, I just need to yell. Yes. Okay, okay. go for it. And then I'm going to let you have your emotion. And like, even if it's super, super excited, right? 
have your emotion and then, and then I'll help you regulate it instead of me trying to control and change and fix your emotion. Also maybe asking them, especially if they're older, how can I support you right now? Do you need just some space alone? Or would you like to sit up here and just talk with me? Would you like to just go for a walk and not even talk? You know, like asking, especially those teenagers and tweens, what do you think would help you right now? Well, and I think it's so important to pay attention to that because the tweens, teens, they're getting more independence. Some of and them. And they need that. That's normal. Right. And as parents, we have to honor that they're hopefully going to behave in a way that we have continued to kind of model for them. And, and so the kids need the opportunity to say, this is what I need. Mm -hmm. And parents to recognize it's not you trying to control them. Mm -hmm. And it's important to honor whatever, if they want you to just listen to them vent to honor that and then and then be quiet right like literally just let them vent and kind of smile and nod and maybe just say how does that feel to get that out Mm -hmm. and I think so often because of the generation of parents that are having the tweens and teens right now want to kind of put that mold out there Mm -hmm. and do more of the the helicopter lawnmower parenting it's really hard to just not react. Mm-hmm. It's not, hard to just sit. Yes. And yes, all of it comes from love. All of it comes from wanting your person to feel better, but we're also not doing them any favors. And that's important for people to understand. Mm-hmm. Because again, then we have, you know, and I, I'm, I will be the first to say I'm guilty of doing that. Oh, absolutely. Me too. Yep. And so just taking a step back and also what you'll realize, it'll, it'll start to take pressure off of you. (laughs) It really does because it gives them that decision-making that control in many aspects Mm -hmm. of tell me what you need. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to try and figure it out. Right. And, you know, again, going back to that bridge between the verbal and the emotional, they are probably going to say, I don't know what I need. Or then I need just you to sit. just leave me alone. Yeah. Then quite honestly, leave them alone. Okay. Let yep. me know when you want to talk. Let me know when you can come back up or, okay, we've got dinner though in, you know, a half an hour and then I need you to come up. But to honor that, because I think children, if we listen, if we take the time to slow down and listen or to observe behavior, right? Because mm-hmm. behavior is the result. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of all of their emotions, good or bad. All behavior is communication. Right. We have to hear that communication even through behavior and to honor it. Yeah. If they're having bad behavior, they probably had a bad day. Well, and I think as an or adult. Or somebody in their class had a bad day. Right. Or something. Well, and think as adults, when we have a bad day, we don't necessarily engage kindly all the time or have this great energy when we walk into the house either. Mm-hmm. And we at least have the brain capacity to kind of work through some of that, but it doesn't mean we do it right all the time. Mm-hmm. 
It doesn't mean that we don't throw our little tam- temper tantrums ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think we've all seen adults throw temper <laughs> tantrums. Mm-hmm. And it's unfair for us to think that children are going to be able to do it better. Mm-hmm. They just don't have those skills. Right. Hmm. I love, I mean, kids are just so complex, but yet when you break it down, like pretty easy. Right? Wait till yours are teenagers. Well, they're not, thank God. <laughs> I said kids, not That's teenagers. True. Teenagers are can be nightmares. They can. <laughs> but we love them. We love them all. We love them no matter what. And I tell my teenagers that no matter what, I will always love you. There are days that I don't like your behavior, mm-hmm. but I will always love you. Mm-hmm. And I think too, like I've, I've seen, especially kids and teens that tend to be more anxious, apologize a lot for behaviors or for outbursts or for breaking down. Please parents redirect that and say, you don't have to apologize for what just happened. Like if, if they have an outburst or they're really emotional or they say, I just want to be alone. And then they come back and they say, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, you don't have to apologize for the feeling. Right. If the behavior wasn't great, own it, you know, take accountability. Absolutely. You got to own it. Mm-hmm. But their kids and teens come in and they feel so much shame for having these vulnerable and what, what are perceived as negative emotions. And so they shut them down. It's so true. So many of the teen tweens that we see or I see are shame ridden, which of course they identify as anxiety Mm -hmm. and they just don't know how to manage it. And I think it's so important that we just, like you said, you don't have to apologize for the way you're feeling. I don't think Anyone should ever apologize for their feelings. Right. You know, How some, could the behavior be a little different? Right. How do we Is adjust there a different the be- way yes. that you could express this? Yeah. So it's the behavior piece that we may need to modify, but it's important for you to have your feelings, know what your feelings are, but let's work on regulating them a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully they don't come out quite the way that maybe the Fed or throwing the tantrum ended up as you know and if you have a kiddo either at home or in your classroom or even you know I I say kid but I mean the whole the whole spectrum um you know zero to 30 because really right you're not an adult when you're 18 you're an adult when your brain is developed which is 30 (laughs) which is about 30 so if somebody in your home a child or teen has like really dysregulated behavior or even in the classroom, it's important to understand too that they're dysregulated because they don't have the skills to regulate. Right. It's not, they can't control it. Mm -hmm. And so that's where why adults, either as the teacher or the caregiver parent, it's our responsibility to help teach them how to regulate. You know, um, I know you're really worked up right now. Can you just breathe with me? And granted, no person ever calms down by being told to calm down. Right. Um, or take deep breaths. Like, just take some deep breaths. I find that it's much more effective if you just make eye contact and you say, I'm going to take some breaths. Can you do it with me? And then really modeling it. And they might not take the first 
you know, one, two or three, but they will start breathing. It's called co-regulation. You're there and you help regulate them just by your presence and what you are doing. Which is a simple tool that so many people could use with their, with any child, Mm -hmm. really, be it in the classroom or, you know, on at the Y or sports events or at home, of course, Mm -hmm. which is always important. But it's, it's some of those things that in those moments, we probably need the regulation as well as as the kids. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really crucial. Or you have a teen that I don't want to talk about it. All right. Let's just sit and watch a movie or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, just being present and staying calm and quiet and collected, they will start to regulate. Again, it goes back to that energy field, you know, that orb. And so this past year, many children didn't have to worry about that because they were at home or they were social distancing. Mm-hmm. So they were left with themselves overall in their own energy field. Mm-hmm. What do we think that's going to look like in fall? I think, I guess you and I, Lindsay, have talked at length about how some of the mental health stuff that's coming out of the pandemic probably hasn't even reached its peak yet, mm-hmm. which is frightening. Mm-hmm. But we're looking at placing more change again into an ever-changing world. And with school around the corner and the anxiety and excitement going back into the schools, kids are not going to be able to understand the dynamic that now I'm dealing with all of this energy. Mm-hmm. From other people. They just know they're just feeling off. Right. Or having a rough day or angry or overexcited or distracted. Mm -hmm. And so I think it'll be very interesting and to see how a new fresh school year will look Mm -hmm. for the students and teachers and faculty and everyone and us too as we go into the schools and and how the kids are are kind of learning to regulate or are showing their dysregulation but I think as we kind of circle around and kind of summarize all of this I think the idea of just really honoring each child for where they are mm-hmm. and to look at it as communication communication is huge and that all behaviors communication Mm -hmm. is so key for everyone to kind of remember and for parents to be open-minded and teachers to be open-minded that it's nothing personal Mm -hmm. so often parents or teachers or whomever is involved in this child's life take it personal Mm -hmm. when they hear Maybe your son or daughter isn't bringing the best version of themselves every day. And maybe they're having some dysregulation and some behaviors. It's difficult to hear that. Mm -hmm. But rather than be dismissive of, well, that's not my kid. Like, I didn't 
my kid doesn't do those it's things. It's not a reflection of you. Right. And I think it's, it's a so reflection important. of like the environment, whether it be school, whether it be home, you know, um, I think there's been so much unpredictability and uncertainty in the past year and a half and kids are just starting to adjust really. And, um, so things that you can do at home or in the classroom, predictability, right? Consistency. Those are huge again for brain development. Yeah. That's structure. Structure. And, um, recognizing too that their brains are in a much, much, much different place than yours as the adult are. So if I, if I could give the school districts any advice, it would be, (laughs) it's going to sound so bad. Um, the amount of work and the amount of academics still has to come second. Yes. We're not there and we're not going to be there by the end of this school year either. And what I've noticed, um, you know, we were fortunate enough to have our kids in school all year. And I know a couple of other districts did that as well. And it's almost like as the year went on, the work kept increasing, right? And the pressures kept increasing Mm. because the adults, I think, were like, okay, we got this. We're kind of getting a groove, a normalcy. That's great. But you have your adult brain. You're you're the kids and teenagers in your classroom are not there. It was enough for them to get up today and get into the classroom. So like really recognizing the amount of pressure and the amount of workload that you're putting on the brain and the body is important. We just still need to chill or we are going to be a disaster five years from now. Because our bodies will have never had a chance to regulate. It will be stuck in a state of chaos. Right. And then we're going to have a mess with people stuck in that chaos, mm-hmm. eventually not being able to get out, which of course is going to lead to so many problems later in life mm-hmm. if they never can learn to regulate themselves. Right. And you know, the society of go, 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 go. Right. Right. That's that's reflective, I think, in in the classrooms and in a lot of homes. Go, 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 go. Prove, prove, prove. We can do this. We can get through this. It's just not going to work. And I think it's important that parents realize now that we've talked a lot about the brain development and regulation. And I think it's important that parents recognize that our children mirror our behaviors and our energy oftentimes. So when they're, when we're upset and frustrated about something, it may not even be on our child's radar, Mm -hmm. but now we have put that on them, which causes even more pressure and stress and dysregulation. Exactly. Okay, so Sandy and I did what we do best. We fire hosed everybody, <laughs> meaning we just gave a lot of information and we talked probably in a lot of circles. But we hope that you're least able to make some sense out of it. Pick one or two things. Yeah, one or two things and take as a takeaway and work towards finding and holding space, not only for yourself, but for the kiddos. Mm-hmm. As they make all of these changes that are really difficult on their little brains. Yeah. 
And I think to circle back, what I'm taking away are honeymoon period. Yeah. Okay. So like Halloween-ish, maybe a little bit. So October, November, you're probably going to start seeing some behaviors or emotions that you're like, where is this coming from? You've been doing so well. Yeah. Well, and then don't forget, you'll also not to like completely future trip, but then after Christmas break. Yep. You'll have it again. Yep. Um, and cocooning, that insulating, you know, help them learn how to do that in a healthy way. Support, support them. And then communication, all behaviors, communication, uh, less is more when it comes to like trying to talk and figure out what do you need? Because they're not sure. Right. So and honoring that they're not sure yes yep I get it so yeah this is tough it's hard I understand Mm -hmm. tell me more yep and And then try to have fun and play right because we always want to go 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 and we forget to slow down and just stop at a park on your way home even if you have an 18 year old (laughs) force him to get on the swing with you (laughs) yeah good luck with that one right but encourage that Mm -hmm communication and just even if it's sitting with them or swinging with them it's so important 